This is Kim Balorchi, and you're listening to Boldly Stated. In the course that I've created and teach to college students and graduate students called Unmuted, one of the areas we focus on a lot is failure, not fearing it, being brave enough to embrace it and to take risks. The question I get asked a lot, though, is, okay, great, so I'm brave enough to try something new, but what do I do when I actually do fail? So today we're going to talk about overcoming failure. Like, what happens when you actually do fail? How do you get up again? Um, Because it's great, you know, when people say, be brave, take risks, but we don't always talk about what happens when you fall down and how you find the strength to get back up. So let's just start with this. Failing sucks. It just does. And there's no sugarcoating it. There's no way I can say, you know, it's better than you think because it isn't. It's, It's bad. It doesn't feel good to anyone ever. So I just want to start there, being really honest with you. I tell people to do it. I say it's essential. I believe that with my whole heart. Um, I fail frequently and often, but it never, ever gets better. (laughs) I don't like it more than I did the time before. Um, I just simply get more comfortable with the fact that I know good things come on the other side of failure. But only if you don't quit. If you fail and you give up, or you fail and you quit, You don't ever allow yourself to experience the amazing things that happen from getting back up. Now, getting back up is easier said than done. So today I want to talk to you about a process that will help you analyze failure in a very objective, almost scientific way. And while I'm sure that some positive thinking and a good pep talk will go a long way to helping you move forward, having some strategies that you can employ when you're really wanting to beat yourself up over things not working out so well, can be the catalyst you need to moving forward. So let's jump in. Step number one, I want to encourage you to watch your labels. What happens a lot of times when we fail is we start by saying, I'm a failure. And the problem with this is that failure then encompasses your entire being. Instead of saying, I'm a failure, I want you to reframe it to, I failed at this thing specifically. When you say, I'm a failure, you're judging yourself in a really, really harsh way, and you're judging the entirety of yourself, which, frankly, you don't deserve. If you fail at something, you failed at that thing, in that moment, in that instance, on this attempt. It's finite. You are not a failure as a whole. Now, people will challenge me and say, okay, great, but what if I have a pattern of failing? Well, I'll come back and say, that still doesn't make you a failure. Maybe you're having failed attempts at something repeatedly and you need to shift your strategy or try something different, it still does not mean you as a human, as a person, are a failure. So the first thing you need to do, seriously, is watch your label. Stop saying you're a failure and say, I failed at this thing specifically this time. Make it finite. The second thing when you fail is to simply feel the emotion. The reality is Failing really does suck, and you're going to feel all kinds of emotions. It might be anger. It might be disappointment. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel regret. I don't know. You're going to feel something if you allow yourself to feel. And there's a tendency, I think, when you've allowed yourself to try something and you're trying to be really, really brave to immediately want to jump back up and be like, it's okay, it's fine, I don't feel anything. Well, that's also not really being honest. So you're going to want to feel the emotion associated with it because 
that allows you to process it and then also not hang on to it. It's not going to come out in some really strange way down the road. So just feel the emotion, right? Let it, let it process through. And then the last most important step is you want to evaluate what worked and what didn't. And this step is one you cannot get to unless you do one and two. If you basically say, I'm a failure instead of I failed at this thing specifically, then you prevent yourself from really being able to objectively look at what happened and what went well and what didn't because you're too busy stuck in the label of I am this thing and that's where you're going to stay. But if you allow yourself to identify, you know, I failed at this thing specifically, I'm going to feel all the shit associated with it, all this, you know, awful emotion that needs to kind of pass through whatever it is, then you get to this clear-headed space of, all right, what worked, what didn't? Now, I'll tell you that it can be really easy to sort of gloss over the what worked part because you don't really need to pay attention to what worked, right? Because we're more focused on what didn't. But the reality is that the pieces that worked for you are going to be pieces you might want to continue forward with. So I really think it's important to acknowledge what did work um, and, and potentially hang on to those things. But you also need to look at what didn't work. So when you're making your list of the things that didn't work, you're kind of going to go through all the things that didn't work. And then you're going to ask this question, what do I have agency over? Meaning, what of this list of things that didn't work are within my control? Because that's where you can make changes. One of the things I think happens a lot of times when people feel like they have failed is that they take responsibility for all of it. And, you know, people will say to me, oh, be careful because, you know, you don't want to you don't want to let people off the hook and you don't want to tell them not to be responsible for their piece. But I'm really not worried about that. I feel like we err on the side of taking responsibility for everything. And a lot of times we're taking responsibility for things that we don't have control over. And in order to analyze what failure looks like for us, we need to be honest about what belongs to us and what doesn't. So I'm going to share a personal experience of late um, that I think will illustrate what I'm talking about here. So recently I was asked to do a project that was definitely on the outside of my level of expertise. And I was reluctant to take it on, but I was promised that I would be given everything I needed. Um, I'd be given a lot of support, that it was essentially really, really simple, kind of a no-brainer. Now I'll just stop and say, if anyone ever tells you something is going to be really simple and a no-brainer, run for your life um, because there is no such thing. And I think I probably knew that, but um, wanting to be a team player, I said, you know what? I'm in, I'm going to do it. So almost from the beginning, I found myself struggling because I didn't actually have anything that I needed. From day one, um, something as simple as a key to get into the room or the technology to figure out how to work the systems or to be able to instruct people how to move forward in a logical, proper manner. Um, lots and lots of glitches, no information whatsoever um, that, that would have helped me to succeed. And so I started feeling like, oh my God, I am a failure. And that sinking feeling of, you know, I'm, I'm failing the people I'm supposed to be helping and this super sucks and I regret that I agreed to do this started to set in. And before I caught myself, I did start having that tape play of I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. 
But then I stopped and started doing this analysis that I like to do when that starts to happen. So my first thing was to watch the label, right? I'm not a failure. I'm failing at this thing specifically. This project um, definitely is not my best moment and I'm not I'm not doing the job I would have liked to be able to do. And I allowed myself to feel the emotion. I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> like I am pissed. I like to do a phenomenal job with everything that I do. And I hold myself to an incredibly high standard. I know what I'm good at. And um, I'm mad at myself for agreeing to do something that I I knew I probably wasn't going to be able to do my best work. And I'm upset at um, not having the support that I was expecting to have or any of the resources I was promised to be given. So yeah, I'm really angry. So I'm feeling that. But then I'm going to evaluate, you know, what worked, what didn't. Well, (laughs) to be honest, very little has worked. And pretty much everything has not. But when I look at what didn't work and what I have agency over on that list, there is very little that didn't work that I have control over. Most of what didn't work is out of my control. So when I look at that, it is very difficult for me to be hard on myself. I think there are things I could have done better, but the reality is This is a situation where this failure was not caused so much by me failing, but by a situation where I really wasn't ever going to be able to succeed because of the situation I stepped into. And so by doing this analysis, I now have a decision to make. Do I want to stay in this situation or do I not? This is a very different result than I think I would have reached had I not known how to walk through these steps, right? If you don't know how to analyze a situation, you tend to stay in that first very frustrated, overwhelmed state of, I am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I am failing at this job or at this project or at this thing that I agreed to do. So for me, in this particular example, um, it was very clear to me that I am not going to stay connected with this project simply because it it is not, you know, one where I am set up to succeed and I don't have control over the pieces I need to have agency and autonomy in a way that is going to work for me. If this had been more balanced and there were more pieces of this where I had autonomy, I would then be looking at where I could do better. Instead of wallowing in mistakes and in failure, I'd be looking to learn from them and figure out how to make sure they don't reoccur the next go around. The important point is this. I am able to analyze and evaluate objectively what happened in connection with failing and to make decisions based on that objective analysis of what went wrong and what went right. And this is a very powerful place to be. So once again, I want to restate the steps for you. When you feel you have failed, which is going to happen if you are taking risks. If you don't know what failure feels like, you're not taking risks. You're not putting yourself out there. You're probably not going for things that, you know, you really want. You're finding reasons to sit back and wait. And while that's a totally different conversation, um, I want to encourage you to start questioning why you're content to do that. Because amazing things happen on the other side of failure. As long as you don't quit out of anger or fear or embarrassment, If you go through a thoughtful process and then you make a decision about moving forward and how you want to move forward, then you are powerfully taking control of what happens next for you. 
Three steps will get you there. First, instead of labeling yourself, I'm a failure, you say, I failed at this thing specifically, and you make it finite. This thing specifically, in this moment, at this time, right? You realize it's a limited thing. Then you allow yourself to feel all the emotion, whatever it is, and just be really honest about how crappy it feels. And then you evaluate what worked, what didn't work. When you look at your what didn't work list, you look at what you had agency over, you focus on those pieces and making those pieces better, stronger, more effective as you move forward. And this, my friends, is how you move past failure. I wish you good luck, an amazing week, and I'll see you back here next time. This is Kim Balorchi, and you've been listening to Boldly Stated.